Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Thank you for joining us on Heritage Events Live. We're delighted to welcome you to How the Equality Act's Gender Ideology Would Harm Children. Please welcome our speakers, Autumn Leva, Vice President for Strategy at Family Policy Alliance, and Emily Gao, Director of Heritage's DeVos Center. We hope you enjoy the program. Good morning. I'm delighted to welcome you and to welcome my friend and colleague, Autumn, the Vice President of Strategy at Family Policy Alliance to this policy pulse. So today we're gonna to talk about the Equality Act and its effects on children. Before we jump into discussion of the Equality Act itself, I wanted to just briefly share what gender ideology is and where it originated. Gender ideology originated in the academy with gender theory. That was a fairly obscure idea that um, was introduced in the 1990s. And the essence of that idea is that gender, which is the expression of our biological sex, is actually not at all related to our biology, to our bodies. Gender is treated entirely as a social construct. Gender is something that we do, not something that we are. And from that very basic idea came the idea that gender can be undone. Now, how is this taught to children? It's taught to children in three simple steps. The first is that your sex is assigned at birth. It's not something that's innate and biological. The second is that you can choose your gender identity and that everyone has a gender identity and should choose that identity, which can be chosen at a very young age, even preschool age. And then the third idea is that your gender identity is determined by your feelings and the things that you like. If you're a boy who likes the arts or likes fashion, that might mean that you're trapped in, uh, you're a girl trapped in a boy's body. Similarly, if you're a girl who likes things that are stereotypically masculine, like the outdoors or sports, you might be a boy trapped in a girl's body. And so these are the three steps through which children are introduced to gender ideology. Now, I wanna to turn to Autumn to talk about how these ideas are showing up in children's lives and what the Equality Act would do to further advance these ideas. Autumn? Well, good morning and thank you so much, Emily, and thank you for Heritage uh, to Heritage for allowing me to join you this morning. Um, this is an important topic, and I think, um, as you mentioned, the Equality Act, that is the bill that's before Congress right now that would elevate a person's self-declared gender identity to the same status and protection in law that we give to a classification like race. Um, and it alters the federal civil rights law. And so I want to talk about some of the ways that um, we would be most impacted by the Equality Act. And we can use examples that we're already seeing in some states that have um, sort of a state version of the Equality Act before them. So one area that's getting a lot of discussion is the area of girls, sports, athletics, and locker rooms. So we know in states where there is a version of the Equality Act at the state level that we've already seen girls forced to compete against biological boys well, that makes the competition inherently unfair, and it takes scholarship opportunities, championship opportunities, and even the right to compete away from these girls. And what the Equality Act would do, Emily, is that would 
nationalize that across all 50 states. So even if you're in a state where that's not happening, um, I'm thinking of like Idaho who passed the first law in the country to save girls sports and make sure that girls sports stay only for girls. Uh, the Equality Act would change that because it alters Title IX. And the irony there is that Title IX was the law, the civil rights law that was originally passed to ensure that women and girls have equal access to opportunities in education and sports in the first place. So it's a real slap in the face to women and girls. Um, I think another area where we would see dramatic change if the Equality Act were to pass is in curriculum. And there's a lot of talk about curriculum right now, as you know, Emily, um, a lot of talk about critical race theory and parents being very concerned about that. Um, but another angle of that is gender theory that's being promoted in the classroom and teaching children as young as pre-kindergarten pre and kindergarten in our schools that as you were saying earlier, Emily, they might be born in the wrong body. And as a new mom, I can tell you that is something I do not want my daughter being told that she was born in the wrong body um, if she happens to enjoy things that are stereotypically male. I want her to love and celebrate the body that God gave her and that she was born with. Uh, but unfortunately, what the Equality Act would do is, it, again, would alter Title IX and encourage the promotion of gender theory across public school classrooms and perhaps even private school classrooms across the country. That's a very dangerous gender ideology, uh, da dangerous curriculum with gender ideology. And furthermore, it promotes a really sexualized curriculum. And I think most parents are concerned about that. I can tell you at Family Policy Alliance, that's one of the major concerns that we hear about state versions of the Equality Act or the Equality Act itself. Uh, parents are very concerned about what their kids are being taught. Um, and then the third and final area that I do wanna touch on is, is also very important. Um, when we think about the areas that touch our children's lives the most, education and healthcare are the two main ones. Every parent wants to make sure that their kid gets a good quality education. Every parent, of course, wants to make sure that their child is healthy. But again, unfortunately, what we know from states that are already facing versions of the Equality Act is that healthcare is also, has also become politicized. Um, so for example, if you are a counselor and you um, want to help a child reconcile their feelings of uh, struggle with their gender, with their actual biological bodies, in many states already, that is illegal counseling, just basic talk therapy to help a child love and appreciate the body they were born in. Instead, the only option that counselors have is to um, encourage children to transition away from their biological sex to take experimental hormones and perhaps even end up with surgeries, removing healthy body parts. That is a very dangerous ideology and once again, the Equality Act would nationalize that because it would make it discriminatory for doctors, hospitals, insurers uh, to not provide these gender transition interventions for children and adults. Um, so I'd like to give an example on that. Say a hospital provides mastectomies for women with breast cancer. If they do that under the Equality Act, the Equality Act would say they also have to provide mastectomies for women and even perhaps young girls who are struggling with their gender and want to transition away from their biological sex, even if the doctor doesn't believe that that's in the patient's best interest. These are serious, very life-altering decisions and, that are being made by um, government bureaucrats here 
forcing this politicized agenda onto children's healthcare and onto their education. And that is something we should all be very concerned about if the Equality Act were to pass. Um, and so Emily, I, I guess with that, I would like to turn it back over to you because I think there's another area of um, parents and children's lives that would be impacted by the Equality Act that I'd love to hear from you about. And that is the area of parental rights. Thanks, Autumn. Well, I just want to add um, a lot of the things that we're discussing today are written about in our new paper from Heritage Foundation, how the Equality Act's gender ideology would harm children. It goes through the specific titles of the Equality Act and uh, the sections of the Equality Act that would alter the titles in the Civil Rights Act. Um, some of the essential titles that would be altered are um, Title II of the Equality Act on Public Accommodations. That's vastly expanded to include um, healthcare. And um, that's how the state lawsuits have occurred where um, transgender identifying individuals have sued hospitals like Dignity Health in California because they wouldn't perform a surgery for the purpose of sex reassignment. And then um, Title IV in the Civil Rights Act, which was about um, desegregation of public education. If that were changed to add sexual orientation and gender identity, um, that could lead to the imposition of the kind of curriculum on transgender ideology that you're discussing. And then I think also really important for people to understand is Title VI of the Civil Rights Act would be altered to add sexual orientation and gender identity. And that is a very important title because it affects all um, entities that receive federal funding. So a lot of people think that the Equality Act might only affect uh, public schools, public K-12 schools, but that's not the case. It could actually also affect private schools because some private schools receive federal funding through school lunch money. And so they could be required to implement these transgender policies as well. Um, so moving into the area of parental rights, which this paper discusses, as well as a new paper that we have by Dr. Melissa Muscala on parental rights. Um, as you and I have discussed, the politicization of education and the politicization of medicine is having already um, a very negative effect on parental rights. So what is happening in education is that we see this ideology being implemented in schools that children are um, being taught that you know, they have to accept um, the idea that you can transition from one sex to the other. This is coming in through the implementation, not just of the sports policies and uh, curriculum, but sort of the social environment of the classroom is changing where preferred pronouns are now being asked of um, all teachers and administrators. We've just seen a case in Virginia where a, a, a school teacher stood up and said, I don't want my students to have to use preferred pronouns because that's um, biologically incorrect and it, it violates the religious beliefs of some students. And that creates a tension between the school system and parents who are teaching their children, you know, that we are born male and female and there are only two sexes. And all of that tension that's there puts the child in a really difficult place where the school is teaching the child gender ideology and the parents are teaching the child, you know, there are only two sexes. That means that the child is trapped in, in the middle. Um, the Equality Act would, as you said, Sort of nationalize all of these policies that we see in sports and the private facilities, the locker rooms and the bathrooms, the curriculum. So it would further exacerbate these conflicts with parental rights in the context of education. Um, 
our friend Mary Hassan has pointed out that, you know, if you're telling a child that their values are incorrect or even immoral, um, the values that are taught at home, that is also depriving that child of their right to an education. And um, I think one area that has been particularly concerning for parents um, is the is the lack of safety and privacy that happens when you have um, children, you know, boys and girls sharing the same locker rooms or sharing the same bathrooms. And um, in Georgia, sadly, there's a case of a, a five-year-old girl who was sexually assaulted in the school bathroom after the school adopted a transgender bathroom policy um, and a the girls restroom and that you know that's the case where the parents were cut out of the process they weren't informed about that ahead of time and then that was implemented and you know there's really no way of opting your child out of that kind of transgender policy unless you send the child to a different school which is ultimately what happened um, turning to healthcare, the effects of politicizing healthcare. Uh, are very devastating for parents whose children are struggling with gender dysphoria. We've heard from parents across the country. You and I both have heard from Crystal, a mom in New Jersey who wanted to find counseling for her son who was struggling with gender dysphoria. She couldn't find any counselors in the state of New Jersey who would counsel her son that he actually is a male because counseling for gender dysphoria that um, affirms the body is banned in New Jersey. And as you said, that would be banned um, throughout the country, potentially, if the Equality Act passed, because the Equality Act clearly specifies that the viewpoint that a person can become comfortable with their body um, is a disfavored viewpoint. And we need to keep in mind that most children who go through puberty without any hormonal or surgical interventions on their body actually become comfortable with their bodies. Even if they struggle with gender dysphoria when they're young, the statistics that we see are that 88% of girls and 98% of boys become comfortable with their bodies. Um, so what we're talking about with the politicization of the, um, the medical profession, you know, basically purging the medical profession of doctors and counselors who would help children become comfortable with their bodies, that will leave parents without options like the mom in New Jersey Crystal. Parents across the country are already struggling to find doctors and counselors who will help children become comfortable with their bodies. And if the Equality Act were to pass, all doctors would face lawsuits if they don't um, basically align with the transgender movement's idea of gender affirmation of children, even though, as you pointed out, these hormonal interventions and even surgical interventions on children are experimental and um, really unproven to help children with their mental health. In fact, one last thing is that, you know, as we've discussed, there's often this idea that's promoted that children need to have hormones and surgeries to prevent them from committing suicide. In reality, the best studies show that there's no mental health benefit from hormones and surgeries. And the most authoritative study from Sweden shows that adults who went through sex, um, sex reassignment surgeries, their suicide rate actually increased to 19 times the regular population. So not only do these hormones and surgeries not really have any benefit for children, 
physically or mentally, um, they could actually make children's mental health decline. So um, with that, let's talk about what is happening um, in the States to protect children's minds, bodies, and their relationships with their parents. Excuse me, absolutely, Emily. Although I do wanna pause briefly just to touch on and emphasize what you just said, because I think that is incredibly, incredibly important that this is a very serious topic that we are discussing because um, if parents are told when they have a child who's struggling with gender identity, that their only option is for their child to take, as you said correctly, Emily, experimental hormones, very, very concerning, where we don't have long-term studies on the impact on their bodies. But what we do know is that when children go from hormones that stop the natural onset of puberty, which is very concerning in and of itself, but if they then turn immediately to taking cross-sex hormones, which feminizes or masculinizes their bodies in an unnatural way, um, they are left sterile. And that's before, for some of these children, that's before they even reach the age of 18. Um, and so the, if, if parents are being told that, that is their only option for their children or else their children are at an increased suicide risk, what loving parent wouldn't want to respond to that? But what they're not hearing is the hope, Emily, that you described earlier, that most of these children, when they don't receive these experimental interventions on their bodies, they actually do come to reconcile their um, thoughts about their gender with their biological bodies and become comfortable in their own body. And I think that that is extremely important. And so that kind of leads me to what's going on in the States that I think is a good thing and it should give hope for all of us. And the first thing is that the state of Arkansas, through the leadership of Representative Robin Lundstrom and the Family Council in Arkansas, they were able to pass the first law in the country that actually bans these experimental medical interventions on children. So it bans the uh, puberty blocking hormones, the cross-sex hormones and surgeries on children um, to protect them and make sure that their bodies aren't altered in these harmful ways. Um, we're very excited about that because it's a groundbreaking law that we certainly hope that the rest of the country will follow. Um, similarly, there's hope in the area of girls' sports. I think that's one that so many parents resonate with. I know I was a track and cross-country athlete growing up, and I just love that. It was so much a part of my growth and development into who I was. Um, we know that a high percentage of women who become executives of Fortune 500 companies they actually participated in female athletics, so it can be very key to girls' success. Um, and what states are doing, we found out, is they're willing to protect girls' sports from this gender theory that's creeping into our children's classrooms and their um, athletic fields. And so uh, Idaho last year became the first state in the country to pass a law protecting girls' sports, ensuring that they remain only for girls. And this year, seven more states, maybe eight if, uh, if Louisiana's goes into effect, um, will also follow Idaho's lead. And over 30 states actually considered that same legislation this year. And so states are pushing back. They recognize that real Americans, real American families, they don't agree with this. They want to see their children protected. They want to see girls' sports opportunities protected. And they want to see children's bodies protected. And as you were saying, um, their relationships with their parents too, Emily, that it goes right along with all of that. And so we're just so encouraged by what's happening in the States. 
um, and even more encouraging, even the Associated Press, so the mainstream media, has admitted that all of these states that are pushing forward legislation to save girls' sports for only girls, that has been a key component to stopping the Equality Act from moving forward any further in Congress so far. Um, so it's really um, a shout out to these states that are leading the way and pushing back, but also to so many of you and other American families across the country watching who um, have been willing to raise your voice and to speak up for your children on the athletic field and in schools and in the doctor's offices. It's been so critical. Um, so I think that's that should be encouraging to us all, Emily. That is really encouraging. Um, there has been a lot of controversy around these bills and we've seen some major uh, corporations like um, the Walton Family Foundation um, and Amazon and other major Fortune 500 companies actually try to stop some of these bills to protect children's minds, bodies, and relationships with their children. But all of our polling shows that um, the majority of Americans actually want to protect children from the harms of these sex reassignment um, surgeries or hormones, and they want to protect, um, you know, girls' female athletic dreams. Um, they know that it's fundamentally unfair to allow males to compete in female sports. Um, so we'll try to put that polling into the chat as well. Um, there was a question about, you know, how do we sort of counter what is this prevailing narrative in the medical profession now that the best way to treat gender dysphoria is through hormones and surgeries? So I just want to briefly point people to the work of the American College of Pediatricians. Um, they are really examining the science and some of the studies from the transgender movement and showing that all the things that you and I talked about, um, that children are harmed by this unethical use of hormones and of surgeries that lead to irreversible harms, as Abigail Schreier described in her book. Um, not only, you know, the the decline in mental and some some things like you know decline in their physical stature um, that you would associate with you know stopping puberty or taking the the hormones of the opposite sex, but as you pointed out, um, actually the sterilization of children, the permanent loss of their reproductive functions, and also the amputation of healthy body parts. Um, girls as young as 13 years old receiving double mastectomies. Um, these are just really incredibly extreme procedures to be performing on children. Um, and so we're just really thankful for the work of lawmakers like Robin Lundstrom, um, who you mentioned in Arkansas. And since we're talking about Representative Lundstrom, why don't you um, talk about the Promise to America's Children? I would love to. So the Promise to America's Children is another one of those really hopeful and encouraging things, I think, Emily, and that is a promise that was written with 10 principles of agreement where parents, lawmakers, and now over 50 state and national organizations, including the Heritage Foundation and Family Policy Alliance um, and Alliance Defending Freedom and many, many others have all signed on to say, we believe in protecting children's hearts, minds, bodies, their relationships with their parents. Um, that is of the utmost importance. And so we 
support policies that do those things, that protect their bodies, like the legislation to save girls sports for only girls, or the legislation called the SAFE Act in Arkansas that prevents these experimental uh, transition procedures on minors, and legislation that protects counseling, like you were saying, Emily, to ensure that families and parents have the option to choose counseling that affirms children's bodies as they are and doesn't try to change them. Um, these are the kinds of policies that the Promise to America's children can get behind and support simply because they agree with protecting children's minds, bodies, and their relationships with their parents. That's what it's all about. Um, and so if you are a parent, um, a grandparent, or just a concerned citizen, you can absolutely sign the Promise to America's children yourself if you agree with those principles and protecting children's minds, bodies, and their relationships with their parents. Um, the website is promisetoamericaschildren.org where you can learn more and actually sign the promise yourself to join the movement. Um, and uh, I think it's just, it's wonderful to see so many people coming together across state and federal lines, even across party lines, because the legislation in the states that we've been talking about, Emily, the legislation to save girls sports, the legislation to protect minors from the transgender interventions on their bodies, those were bipartisan bills in many cases in those states. In fact, uh, a bill similar to Arkansas's that would have prevented the surgeries and the hormones on children in South Carolina, that was authored and led by a Democrat. So this is not a partisan issue, this is a protecting children's issue. And so um, I would encourage everyone watching to sign on to the Promise to America's Children at promisetoamericaschildren.org and join the growing list of parents and lawmakers and on state and federal lines and bipartisan lines who are willing to protect children against this gender theory that's just showing up everywhere. Super important. Thanks, Autumn. Yeah, I'm also delighted that there are some members of Congress bills to protect children. Uh, we have a Save Women's Sports Bill introduced by Senator Mike Lee in the Senate, um, also uh, by Greg Stubbe, I believe, in the House. And then we also have bills to protect children's bodies um, by Representative Doug Lamalfa and Senator Roger Marshall to protect children from these experimental uses of hormones and surgeries. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing more of these bills introduced in both the state and the states and the Congress. And we also saw that Representative Lundstrom turned the Promise to America's Children into a, a House resolution to protect the children of Arkansas. She made it into the promise to the children, to the to Arkansas children. And I thought that was a really um, great initiative on her part. Um, so why don't we just wrap up our time here by letting people know um, your final thoughts on the Equality Act. Uh, we are hearing that a vote could be imminent on the Equality Act in the Senate. Um, so what are your final thoughts on the Equality Act? Thanks, Emily. Yes. So from Family Policy Alliance's perspective, the Equality Act is quite seriously the most dangerous piece of legislation that we've ever seen come out of Congress. And so we are encouraging everyone to, while there's still time, as Emily said, we are hearing that a vote will happen in the Senate next week to contact your senators and urge them to vote no, that this is dangerous. As Emily said, these sections of the Civil Rights Code that the Equality Act alters, those would impact the entire country and it impacts what hits closest to home for parents like me and like you watching, children's healthcare and children's education. And so I would encourage you, um, oh, and, and religious freedom. <laughs> so that's, that's an important angle as well. But I would encourage you watching, if you um, have the chance to please take the, take 
just a minute and encourage your senator and your state or both senators to vote no on the Equality Act. Family Policy Alliance has a way that you can do this through just a one-click action center that you're welcome to use, or just simply look up your two state senators and call the, their office phone numbers that are listed online. Either way works, but we need to raise our voices now because this dangerous piece of legislation is just too critical to pass up an opportunity to speak out against it. Thank you, Autumn. I want to thank you for um, sharing your expertise with our audience today on the Equality Act. Um, and for further information about children, you can just go to the website promisetoamericaschildren.org. The signers of the promise also wrote a letter about the Equality Act um, and the Fairness for All Act, which would also enshrine gender identity into the 1964 Civil Rights Act, to uh, all senators urging them um, to protect children's minds, bodies, and relationships with their children. I want to thank our audience for joining us today. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation, uh, please reach out to me. And I also want to uh, share an opportunity with you to fill out a survey after the policy pulse, which will inform our efforts to bring the best ideas to the public square. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful day.